Today we started our Advent season, as Pastor Kirk has already mentioned, uh, at the beginning of the service, and the title of today's message is Longing for Christmas, and that's because this is the prophetic Sunday, and specifically we're keying in on the longing that exists in our lives related to that sense of feeling that we get sometimes waiting for the Lord to come back, or sometimes waiting for a circumstance to change, or we just feel this sense of longing. And for some of us, this season has been filled with a lot of challenges, truthfully. It's been one after another for you. You've felt them, you've experienced them, you've been going through them. For some, we've been in trials and tribulations waiting for those things to change. For some, we look around at the world in which we find ourselves and we don't recognize it. It's, it's filled with hatreds and angers and strife and the leading news uh, headlines can't be written without saying someone has blasted someone else or someone blitzed someone else or, you know, and, and that's how we talk about these things, not to mention the war that continues to rage. And so how do we address that longing in our lives? How do we address the longing for something to change or things to be different or finished? Well, the psalmist helps us to understand that. If you have your Bibles, Let's turn to Psalm 119, and we'll begin in verse 81. The Psalms are so great because I, I'm not sure that there's actually a topic that the Psalms don't cover. If you read through them, you'll generally find something that will touch you with where you're at or what you're dealing with, and, and that's the beauty of what the Psalms bring to our lives. And the Psalmist today helps us to understand the longing that we're feeling and how we deal with that. So Psalm 119, verse 81, he says this, I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. My eyes grow weary looking for what you have promised. I ask, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like wineskin dried by smoke, I do not forget your statutes. From the first prophecy of the coming Messiah after the fall of creation in Genesis, all the way until we reach the last prophecy in the book of Revelation, we have this sense of longing on our hearts and it's expressed so well by the psalmist right here. In verse one, when he talks about this longing, he says, I'm longing for salvation. Now in the scriptures, that can mean several things. The first that we come to think of is the salvation of being saved, certainly in our souls. He's talking about, if we read just a little bit further, salvation from his enemies that are coming after him. And he's been waiting for God to do this, but the longing that's used here is described as a feeling when you really wish something was completed. You're looking for it to be completed. So imagine it like this with me. Imagine two people who are madly in love who must spend a time apart. Maybe they're dating by distance and they're counting the days, longing for the day when they'll be reunited and that distance won't stand between them anymore and they'll be together again. They're longing for those days of separation to be completed. It's the same for some of our students right now as you're longing for the Christmas break. You're waiting for the examinations to be completed. As you count down the days, knowing you have this many more days, and then we get to exams, and then the semester will finally be completed. Well, it's the same thing. You want something completed. Notice that he said, 
He was longing for God's salvation in his life because he wanted his circumstances to change. He was really kind of downtrodden because of the, the things that were surrounding his life. And, and I'd say this to you regularly, but I hope that you grasp this. If you feel that way this morning, you're in great company. It's all through the Bible. I, I wish this would change. I don't feel like it's changing. I'm stuck. I want it to change. It's not changing. And, and yet the Lord gives us these examples of people who were right where we are at and they're waiting for something to change. They're expressing their heart. What does he say? I long for your salvation. That was his only hope. The salvation that God could bring and for us today, surely that's our only hope as well. What else do we have besides salvation? Because in this life, if Christ is not raised from the dead, Corinthians tells us we're to be pitied over everybody. Because what are we living for? There's nothing at the end of the run. And even in the midst of his downtrodden state and him saying, Lord, I'm waiting and longing for your salvation. Notice what he says in verse one. He says, I put my hope in your word. Even now he declares his dependence on the word of God. And there's nothing that will make our longing go off course and find us in a direction that we don't want to be in as if we start directing ourselves away from the word of God and trusting our feelings. I don't know who made it popular in the church to say, trust your feelings. Don't. Your feelings are dependent on what you ate for breakfast this morning, what the weather's like. If your team won last night, I mean, your feelings are influenced by external things, but Jesus said that we could build our lives. And he, remember the parable that he gives us. He says, there were two men, the wise builder built on the rock. Foolish man built on the sand. The storms of life guaranteed passed by over everybody. Just because we build our lives on the rock doesn't mean we won't have trials, doesn't mean we won't have tribulations, doesn't mean we won't feel this longing in our heart for something different, for a completion. It, that's just part of it, it's normal. But Jesus said when we build our life on his word, what starts to happen is we can withstand these things. And so over and over again, as we find ourselves in seasons of longing and waiting, whether that be for us waiting for the Lord to provide for us or take vengeance over our enemies or fulfill his promises for Christ to return for us, for the believer, there's nothing more important that while we wait, we wait with the hope in salvation built on the word. There's nothing else. We must stay firmly rooted and grounded in the word of God because it really is the only salvation that we have is, is given to us through the word. And even yet, look at verse 82. He says, my eyes grow weary looking for what you have promised. I ask, when will you comfort me? When he describes the situation, he's, I'm tired. Anybody tired this morning? I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting on this, Lord. And the, the thing that he describes for us, and I'm so grateful in my life I haven't had to do too much of this because I think it would have just killed me. If you've ever worked a night shift, you know what I'm talking about. Right before the sun comes up, it is brutal. Right before you know it's coming. I've had to do it a few times in my life in a couple of different jobs that I had. And, 
and you just feel that, that weight of your eyes growing weary. That, that's what he's describing here. I've been at this so long and your deliverance might be right around the corner, but like, I don't know. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I'm tired. And so often we're faced with the exhaustion of our circumstances in this world, but we must be remembering this morning that the dawn is coming. It will come. It comes for all of us. And, and that's one of the difficult things that we live with, isn't it? Because we know that sorrow doesn't last. We know that trials and tribulations don't last forever. But in the midst of them, it can feel overwhelming, so much so that he says, my eyes are, are weary looking for what you're promised. And he says, when are you ever gonna come and comfort me? Have you forgotten about me? Oh, you must not have been a Christian long if you haven't asked that question. You've been in the midst of praying and those prayers sound like they're hitting the ceiling. And you wonder, am, am I crazy? I, I'm just talking here. Am I crazy? God, you don't seem to be comforting me in this. I'm asking, I'm doing what I know to do. What, what's going on, Lord? Have you forgotten me? I, I'm tired of waiting on this. You've got to move for me to be able to do this. And in verse 83, he takes it a step farther. He, he shows us how dry his soul has become. Notice what he says. Though I have become like a wineskin dried by smoke, I don't forget your statutes. When he says, I've become like a wineskin dried by smoke, you have to understand those two things don't go together. In, in ancient days, you can't just grab a bottle to keep things, uh, you know, liquids, like your, your water, your wine, you, you don't have that. You might not have a, a pottery vessel. And so what do you do? You make skins that will hold water. You make skins that will, will hold your wine. But if you introduce those things to smoke, it, it loses its ability to do that. It dries it out so that it begins to crack. You understand the drying process is what you do to preserve meat, right? I mean, that's why some of you can't drive by the beef jerky outlet. That's what that is. That's the original, right? What are we doing? We're preserving something. Great for beef jerky. Bad when you're trying to keep a wine skin, a, a, a container for water, a, 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 a skin containing water. Bad when you're trying to keep that supple, right? Because if it cracks, it's no good. And he describes himself by saying, I am just like that. Well, I was this week reading in John and Jesus said that when he left, the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would be living waters in our lives and that we would never thirst again. And you, you think about that as opposed to what he's saying right here. He's saying, I've gotten to the place where I'm there and what does he need? He needs the refreshment of the Holy Spirit in his life, just like we do. And it took me back, I, I can't help it. I promised you I would never sing. I'm breaking that promise today. When I was 14, we'd go to this camp and we'd sing these songs. We'd come back and we'd sing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It make, you can sing along if you want to. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison's door, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well, goose, 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 goose within my soul. Spring up, oh well, splish, splash, and make me whole. 
spring up a well, swoosh, and give to me, what? That life abundantly. What's your, hold your pause, please. Yeah. Don't get used to it. Camp songs only. But you understand what's being said there and, and what the song, I mean, I got to thinking about that song and I thought, what a silly song. But maybe not. Maybe once you get behind it and you understand what Jesus is talking about, that this refreshment just runs all over our lives, right? And, and this is what we need because he's basically saying, I, I'm about to be useless. I need renewal in my life. And you get the sense of what he's saying. I'm dried up, I'm worn out. And you notice that he says, even in the midst of that, I will not forget your statutes. I won't. So as we think about, I will not forget your statutes, this is twice now this man has said this. How important is that? I feel like I can't hear you, you can't hear me. I'm gonna do the next right thing. I'm not gonna deviate from this. I'm gonna do the next right thing. I'm gonna keep doing what I know to do and I'm gonna pray for the Holy Spirit's refreshment in my life until it comes, I'll keep doing the next right thing because that's really the way that it works. We keep doing the Lord's statutes, not giving in to the exhaustion and if we turn to the word, what we find is ourselves refreshed and ultimately replenished your statutes. Well, here we are, thousands of years later, still longing. The Israelites were crying out from deliverance, for deliverance from the very first moment of their existence as a nation because they were a nation birthed in slavery, weren't they? And they're crying out, Lord, deliver us from our oppressors and they're delivered and then they find themselves enslaved again and you read the book of Judges and what are they crying for? Deliverance, deliverance. And then they go into the prophets and they're crying for deliverance again and again and again. And God promised to let light come forth. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. Familiar at this time at Christmas, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light dawned on those living in the land of darkness. What, what's he saying? The darkness that had enveloped that was about to explode because the birth of Christ was going to come and where light is, darkness cannot be. And so for those who are walking in the light, the darkness cannot overwhelm us. And, and even like the Israelites, they were longing for the birth of Christ and we have experienced the birth of Christ. And yet the scripture in the New Testament says we're still longing for something. Romans 8 has this beautiful passage that I think expresses what we often feel. It says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Let that sink in for a moment. I believe that the, the things we are going to see and experience will make what we are experiencing now pale in comparison. Think about it like this. I, I love when I get to see a mother who's about ready to have a baby because they're ready. You know what I mean? 
And they go through that labor experience and so many times it's a challenge. But then the joy on the other side of that starts to do what? Fool them into thinking this would be a good idea to have another one. <laughs> right? Why is that? It, it changes because it, the joy outweighs the gloom, doesn't it? The joy outweighs the suffering. The joy outweighs all of the hardship that you went through to get there. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what he's saying. We're going to experience that. Verse 19. For the creation eagerly waits with the anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because he because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with it for, with patience. There's a couple of things. Did you catch the longing verbiage there? It starts in verse 19 saying, creation eagerly waits with anticipation, longing for the day when the sons of God will be revealed. It talks about how we're groaning with creation. We're longing for something better. It says that, that we're groaning within ourselves because our bodies are wrecked. It means it in two ways, doesn't it? When you're born, there's a very short arc in your life where things get better. And then it does this. You get a trick knee, a bad back. You start going to things like dermatologists right? And it's just a harbinger of the downhill slide that leads us ultimately to our death. So there's a part of that, isn't there? Because we know that we were meant to live. We know that there's coming a day that when we see Christ in glory, we will no longer face death. But there's a second thing that happens when our bodies are bound up like they are right now. They're decaying. Sin is all around us. And there's that groaning where we don't want that anymore. There's that groaning where we want to throw that off because we're tired of it enslaving us and we feel like we should be running the race and what are we doing? We just feel like sometimes we're just muddling along one foot in front of the other. So creation starts by saying it's waiting to be restored. And, and I just, I mentioned this to you because there, there's, there's a biblical perspective on what's happening in the world around us right now. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you absolutely should be a great conservationist because we are stewards of everything God's given us. And yet, guess what this world is doing? It's passing away. It's attention. So we're not trying to save the world. We're trying to save people. And at the same time, don't change your oil and pour it down the drain. Right? I mean, there's a, there's a tension of these things in our lives. But we know that, that what's going to happen, the scripture says is, something that has been given to us as a down payment is waiting to be paid in full. Remember, we talked about this in Ephesians. When you were saved, you got the down payment. That means there's way more to come, folks. Way more. The down payment's not the full payment. It, it's... 
it's the taste of what's coming, right? And so we know that when we get to heaven, all of a sudden, those groanings in our lives that we're feeling right now are going to be taken care of. Those groanings in our lives are going to pass away because what he said in verse 18 is going to come true. We're going to see the Lord in all of his glory and it's going to make everything that got us through this life and got us there, it's gonna just pass away. It's not gonna be significant. Because what we will experience will be so amazing, so over the top, that as we experience it, all of those things will fade away. I want to tell you something about this longing. The longing that you're experiencing right now is perfectly normal. Because this isn't home. So when you find yourself walking around Publix, going to Walmart, going to the mall this season, and you have an experience that's like, I don't know about that. That's right, you don't know about it, it's not home. We're meant to be somewhere else. And one day we will be somewhere else. And when we are with Jesus, all of these things, trials, tribulations, the things that have vexed us as we've watched the world and wondered how long must we wait for this to take place? Well, Lord, we're gonna bring it all back and make it right. All that will be gone, but that happens at home. It doesn't happen here. Here we're strangers, we're wandering. And God puts that longing in our hearts so that we know that this isn't home and we don't live like this is home. He puts that longing in our hearts so that we see, just like the prophets of old did, there's something better that's coming. What could be better than Nashville? Heaven? I love where we live. It's not home. And so when we get there, the Bible says there's some first things that pass away. Death, sorrow, sin, destruction, war, all that passes away. We, we don't deal with that anymore. We're, we're, we're perfectly where we're supposed to be. And so that longing that God has given us is, is a God-given gift for us. And while we wait, we must take the advice of the psalmist that the only hope that we have is salvation in Christ. And the only way to live it is to put our hope in his word and to keep observing the statutes and keep living for the Lord day by day, next right thing today, next right thing tomorrow, one foot in front of the other, knowing that one day we're going to be home and it'll be okay. For those of you who don't know Christ, there's a longing as well. And the longing looks a little bit differently because maybe you don't, you don't know anything but this and, and, and you, you can't see home because this feels like home. And I just wanna say that sometimes that, that emptiness in your heart, that's the longing that God put there for you to know Christ as Savior. I was with a friend yesterday who was talking to me about what had happened in his life after he came to know Christ. And by the way, the... The difference in his life, just his countenance, amazing. One of the few people I've ever seen, when God changed his life, it was top to bottom, head to toe like that. Countenance, everything. It was crazy. As he was telling me this testimony. And he said, I used to look at other people and they had things that I didn't have. 
They, they had peace and assurance. And I wondered, how, how could they have that? And then I realized what I was missing was not peace and assurance. I was missing Christ. And I needed Jesus to save me. And so maybe this morning for you, that, that's the hole in your life. That's the longing waiting to be fulfilled. And it will never be fulfilled by anything else. Everything else you could try will be a very, very cheap substitute. And so I encourage you today, if you've never given your life to Christ, we want you to have the opportunity to do that. We want you to come to know Christ and the power of his resurrection because the fact that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and is coming again for us makes all the difference. It's everything. So we invite you to know Christ. And so I'm gonna take a moment now and ask if you would to bow your heads as we come to our time of response. Some of you in the room this morning are experiencing the longing that I've been talking about and it has been tough and that's okay. The good thing about what God puts in our lives is he provides. So if that's where you're at this morning, it's okay to say, hey, this stinks. I'm tired. I'm trying to wait. And I'm trying to see you come through. And I, how long? But while you wait and while you long, do the next right thing. Keep following the statutes of the Lord. Keep building your life on his word. Ask the Holy Spirit to replenish you. Maybe you just came in this morning and you said, dried up describes me, pastor. That's me. I got nothing. I'm done. That's okay. The great thing about the Lord is in an instant, he can replenish you. Some of us have been waiting for God to do things for so long. And it's like our friend, Bob Soar, he said, when when you're waiting on God and you're waiting on God and you're waiting on God, it feels like it's never going to come. And then all of a sudden he does it and it'll snap your head around, it happens so fast. That's the God we serve. So if you're waiting, if you're longing, it's okay. You're right where you're supposed to be. Won't you just confess that to the Lord this morning? Perhaps today you've come in with the ultimate longing of your life wanting to be filled. It's a relationship with Christ. We've been praying for you already because we've been asking God to move in powerful ways to change people's lives. And so we're praying that right now, if you've never given your life to Christ, that you would do that today. That you would cry out to God and ask him to save you and place your faith in Christ who died for you. He came, he died, and he's coming again. And while we wait, we serve him. And we wait expectantly. And we'd love for you to join the family of God. Not, not just our church family, but the family of God all around the world. Father, in this moment, as we pray, I pray for the one who came in and they are dried up, Lord. 
God, while they wait, may they keep following your statutes and keep their hope in your salvation and in your word. God, while we pray this morning, we pray for the one whose longing is to be fulfilled in Christ. We pray that you would save them. God, we ask that you do it in the name of Jesus. Amen.